Welcome to the Parapod, episode 47, with your hosts, myself, Mark, and... Owen. What's up? Owen's here as well. Uh, 47. Great change. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact about uh, number 47 is the year in the 19th century when the highest number of deaths took place during the Irish famine. Um, so know. yeah, th- so this week we're talking about Tokyo Story, our recommended film of the week, mm-hmm. by Yoshijuru Ozu. Ozu. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. One of the most influential films of all time. Yeah, voted the greatest film of all time by... Sight and Sound, 2012. Yeah, 2012. So, we'll see how that marks up later on. You know, I was looking at the Sight and Sound uh, lists, because um, mm-hmm. they do one every 10 years. So, we're due one this year, and we'll see what's going to... I'm telling you, Parasite might be on that list, or some... Parasite number one. Or, like, some like Korean film will probably be up on the list more now. I don't know. But, yeah, um, yeah. The years ago, when they were doing it, um, for some reason, I don't know why, but you could vote for like two films, or they did it one year or whatever, and Godfather 1 and 2 both came up like in the same slot, and it was like number 2 or something, or maybe it could have been number 1, and then the year afterwards, they changed the rule where it could only be one film, but like, why the fuck was that? Yeah, why was that rule in the first place? Because I assume what it is, is that they just give you a list, and they tell you to like, write down like 10 films to, like, to all these directors, and then, because each one is like how many times they're mentioned. It's not really a voting thing, it's how many times that they're mentioned. In like what? Um, in their like a survey that they send out to uh, uh, a bunch of directors or whatever. Uh, so they, they don't give a list to the directors, they just go, what's your favourite film? The director's listed off. Yeah, they and list off what, what the film, what, what their 10 favourite films or whatever. Ah. Uh, and uh. so like, that's why when you look at the list, like you can see like Tokyo Story, 140 mentions and that's number one. And then mm. number two is like, uh, I, th- I think number two has been Citizen Kane. I'm pretty sure was number one for like the first sixty years or something that they were doing it. Sixty years. I'm pretty sure that are like uh, for the first forty years they've been doing it since like the sixties. Yeah. Well, see, could be the fifties though. Wouldn't it then be like just like the most popular films? Like, 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 how many people would have actually put Tokyo Story as number one as their most as the best film ever or as their favorite film? You know. Um. Well, it was only because it came. Because in the seventies, in seventy two, um, Tokyo Story got a re release in in America. It was shown at some festival or something, mm. and that's where people in America saw it for the first time. They're all raving about it. So then it got more popular because that's what you can see in sixties. It's not me- in the fifties and sixties. It's not mentioned in the seventies. It's near the bottom in the eighties. Then it's way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scorsese has something to do with it, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, he's always in there somewhere. He always is. Yeah, he's just one of those figures. I was meddling, but like I wonder what like. So if I look, huh, I'm gonna look at the list again, because it's interesting. Because like it's there's a bunch of films that like there's lots of films that I've never heard of as well on the list. That yeah, like, yeah, I'd say so. There were big um, like ages ago, but they also do one for best directors as well. I think, and they also yeah, uh, greatest directors of all time and greatest films and greatest documentaries. Right, who do you think number one is? Greatest film for greatest director. Greatest they, director. Yeah, uh, it was only done the one year. Kubrick. No. Um, Kurosawa or something? One no. of those? Kurosawa is number five and number three. So there's a director's one and a critic's one. Ah. Uh, they did the one time, 2002. Ah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's number one? Orson Welles on both ah, lists. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that the list. first critics, or the first uh, sight and sound one was 1952. Bicycle Thieves for the critics one. 
Okay, I think it's only critics. Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane. That's 40 years now of it being on top. Citizen Kane in 2002, 2012, Vertigo, out of nowhere. It just becomes... Yeah, that had a real rehabilitation. And then Citizen Kane, 1992, for a different one. Okay, yeah. 2012, then, was uh, the director's voting. 2001 is the second one. Citizen Kane... Oh, no, hold on, wait. It's actually a tied place. So, number one is Tokyo Story. Number two is 2001 and Citizen Kane. And then it just drops down to number four. For eight and a half, Taxi Driver, Apocalypse Now, The Godfather, Vertigo, Mirror, and Bicycle Thieves. What's Mirror? Is that uh, the Tarkovsky Yeah, it's a Tarkovsky. Uh-huh. And it's the shortest Tarkovsky one. It's only 90 I minutes. I recommend a film next week. Yeah. I would up for, I'm up for that because we're in a, sl- a sad and slow stage at the moment with, th- with this sad, week's. A sad and slow. That's the name of the episode, Sad and Slow. Sad and slow. Yeah, very slow, yeah. I, I don't know. I, well, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with that anyway. That's the theme. That's the theme. The theme this week. Got to chill out for a bit, you know? Yeah, Bad yeah. things are happening in England at the moment, so you got to take a breather for gotta a while. Got to take a breather, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take a breather for the brothers, you know? But yeah, England aren't doing well. No. They're not doing well over there. Um, Very sad scenes, but yeah. also hilarious scenes. I I was watching it, or I started watching it. Like I came home from work, or did I? No, it was fucking Sunday. I came home, sat down. I was like, I'm gonna watch this. I I haven't really sat down and watched many games over the years. Mm. But I was like, I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna like have a can, you know, have some food, sit down and watch this. Within what was it four minutes? Yeah, I think it was England four scored. Minutes in, yeah. Like Luke Shaw scored the biggest sack of shite in that entire squad, like <laughs> in the entire tournament. Like the guy's a mean player. He's shy. Mm. And he's a terrible player. <laughs> like you know, but he's a complete fraud. But he's been good all tournament. Uh, I think based on what I've heard, mm. and he scores within uh within five inside five minutes. I yeah. was like, "Fuck this! This is." A f-. I watched up to about half an hour, and Italy were getting having no luck. You know, they weren't even getting close really. Mm. Uh, they were kind of getting back into it, but it just it looked it looked like one of those things where I'd watch the entire game and it just kind of fizzle out mm-hmm. and it go in the exact opposite direction that I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "I'm jinxing this. I need to go take a break." And so I went upstairs. <laughs> and I just I just didn't watch the rest of the game, but uh. I had my window open, and I got to what an hour in. It was yeah. like about an hour later. Yeah, I think like yeah, I think because they scored like the seventh minute or the sixty minute. So yeah, yeah, and uh, <coughs> I had the window open. I just heard a massive cheer mm. from outside, like just, like not from my house, just like from around the, like the neighborhood. Like everyone was cheering, and the uh, it was great to see like community mm-hmm. spirit. You know, everyone out watching the game, <laughs> cheering <You're busy>. against <laughs> England. Yeah, yeah, people were having like parties on the road and stuff. Um, but yeah, thank God they they equalized and then eventually. The old penalties. I was mm. I was shit shit my pants at the penalties though, because you know England breaking that duck, like they they're sh- so bad at penalties. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious, you know. I've seen like a record of uh, their tournaments like since records began, like mm-hmm. back in like nineteen was it nineteen thirty four the first World Cup or nineteen thirty, uh, something like the past seven tournaments when they've gone out has been via penalties. Like that, and they've lost all like <laughs> like they just they they're on a massive losing streak. And it's, compl- it's fucking hilarious. But I was just thinking, this is going to be the time at Wembley, full crowd, mm-hmm. you know, easiest run up. Like, it was, it was made for them to win this. This was their time. <laughs> like, everything was, like, coming together for England to finally win something. Um, even all the politicians, like, trying to, yeah. jumping on the back of it, Boris Johnson. Like, that guy, that kind of plays fucking, you know, polo and croquet and stuff yeah. like that. And he's like, oh, come on, England. I, come I, on, England. Come on, England. <laughs> I want to appeal to the working class. It's like, you know, it was disgusting scenes. I was just like, it's going to happen. But thankfully, Italy pulled it out of the bag <laughs> and saved Western civilization. They saved the world. Oh, the entire world was cheering for Italy during that penalty shootout. Um, and it just goes to show 
how entitled and how disgusting England fans are mm. that they just completely threw the fucking the three bottle fellas. out of the pram. Yeah, as, as soon as things went against their way, like all they've had everything going their way for mm. months on end, and then all of a sudden things go slightly wrong, where like a kid. Like a yeah, child a makes... Fellas, fellas three years younger than us. Yeah, the guy's... He's, he's three years younger than me. He's four years younger than you. Yeah, yeah. Don't say that. That's terrible. He's younger, <laughs> than, my si- he's younger than my sister. Yeah, the guy's... He's only, like... He's only been able to drink for, like, less than a year. Yeah. You know? Like, that's how young he is. And he makes a mistake. And they all just pile on top of them. It's just, like... But these people... These aren't... Like, these aren't people. <clears throat> The, like, these are scum scum of the earth all England fans for me right the hilarity of like England losing was quickly soured by the fact that like oh this is gonna get really really racist now oh <laughs> obviously yeah yeah but that's the thing it's it can't be salvaged yeah you know like there England is, is fucked it's just one of those things it's like there's just there's a contingent there within that fan base that is just like unsalvageable mm-hmm. people who read the sun you know well, like, fascists, basically. Fascists, yeah, basically. <laughs> They're just evil people mm-hmm. that can't be saved. And that should be saved. There's no... It's not like a... Like, they had the whole thing all the, all the way leading up. It's like, oh, it's the nation. It's like... it's like, It'll be kind of like a reward for, like, getting through the other side of the pandemic. Mm. Nothing about Italy, which is where the pandemic started in, in Europe, you know? And, like, where it devastated all of Northern yeah, Italy Jesus, for, for Northern, years. Like, oh, my God, Italy. Uh, but, like... There's this whole thing about like the nation's gonna like this is like the destiny. This is what's gonna happen. This is like our, our just it's our comeback from Brexit. Yeah, yeah, literally. Uh, it'd be like a statement against against Europe, which is like which is fine, you know, from like a like a <coughs> sort of I don't know a patriotic standpoint. It's like oh, like you want you want a country to do well, but the people who want people who wanted that stuff, people like you know Southgate or like a lot of people in the press or just like random English people who just want to see their their team do good. Yeah, the, like, like, I would say the majority of England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot, like most of them are just normal people. But like, you're on this, you're on the same team as some of the worst people on earth. People are just complete nothings, you know, mm-hmm. non-entities. <laughs> non-entities, people who shouldn't have a voice, shouldn't be allowed to sing in that stadium. Uh, they should be. Nah, fuck it. I'm not gonna <laughs> say that. But <laughs> <laughs> we can cut this down. They, these are t- <laughs> I just, you know, it's just horrible. Mm. But it's one of those things. It's like this. It's just a weird kind of nation. You know, it's such a nation of like two different sides. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing as like America. America's the two extremes, nearly. Yeah, yeah. I was reading really <clears> cool <throat> article a while ago about uh, England as like a, a post-colonial state. Because mm. another way, like obviously, you had the empire. The yeah, the empire fell. Yeah, the, the British same, empire. Yeah. British empire finished now, thanks to a lot of things. Oh, for yeah, over hundred years. Sorry, that is actually a really. Sorry, I know. I already see what you're going with. That is actually a really interesting. Yeah. Like analysis of a, of, a, of a country yeah because when you think Same about things it in france as well and like all around europe because of that reason mm. i imagine yeah yeah because when you think about it, it's really obvious but like especially in, in like in uh the case of the uk because they have all these because the U- united kingdom is a union of different countries like mm-hmm. it's acknowledged within the name of the country that these aren't the same like yeah. they're different different nations like sort of pinned together into one kind of little union thing mm-hmm. but england had england was the center of the british empire the most powerful empire probably that ever existed uh, up until the US or whatever. And they had all this ri- these riches and they had like dominion over the world. But their elites, like the, 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 the elites of the British Empire only had allegiance to the empire. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the idea of the empire, which included places like like India and Ireland. Not in the sense that they cared about people from there, but they cared about the... Um, the ownership. Yeah, the pr- and the production over there. You know, like they, they're, they're more about um, keeping things in control. It wasn't about... 
a sort of common sense of identity or common sense of self as a nation. Like England hasn't really had anything like that, like something to to bind them together as a nation. Like we have here in Ireland, you still have like pretty recently, like 1916 or mm-hmm. like 1798, stuff like that, which is like the the common points that we can all sort of like reach, reach back to and find in common mm-hmm. as like a sort of Irish identity. But there, they don't have anything really in England except for the empire. But the empire wasn't really about England. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about different things. Um, and there's like these people who are trying to make it like, oh, we want to go back to the empire. The empire was great. The empire was all about us when it really wasn't. Yeah. And then you have other people who are just trying to get along and they c- they don't identify with the empire. And they don't ident- identify with like that sort of uh, reading of Englishness. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're supposed to be on the same team, but they can't be because they're completely incompatible. So like... I'm thinking England needs it to be invaded. Or an <laughs> 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 that turn. <laughs> <laughs> they, they literally they they need England needs a war before they they or else they're gonna get split up. They're gonna get split up. Oh god! You know they they need they need some common incident. Brexit isn't enough. Brexit is too divisive. Ugh. They need a common incident that they can all rally around. Otherwise, it's not a tenable nation state. Otherwise, yeah. we might as well invade, split it into like. North and south, like France can have the south, we can have the north, like the good parts and stuff like that, and then just like call it a day because it won't wouldn't make a difference because they're all they're very very different uh, territories, very very mm. different peoples. So I don't know, it's a it's a complicated situation though. I thought you just meant as like a as an like a, it's a it's a post empire, not a decolonized, but a post empire country as in. Like oh yeah, it's a, it's it's post empire, but in the sense of like it's and that, now but this is what you see is like them looking back at like their colonial past and being like. Yeah, we try, still have that. Trying to reclaim that, but the thing is, England and the UK itself is not the British Empire. Like they're completely different things, mm. um, which is some. Well, like obviously they carry on the legacy from all those things, and they benefit greatly from what the empire, you know, sort of plundered from the world. But they are different things in like a technical sense, mm. and like in sense of identity, and like how you'd see yourself as a nation. Um, so like that's something that they have to overcome, which they, I don't think they will. I think they're fucked. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking we should invade. I think we should invade. That was Eng- so fucking well, funny. <laughs> to save England, I think it needs to be invaded. You yeah. know, even if even if we lose, they'll have something to rally around, and maybe they'll go in a, a decent direction. Who knows? I think I'd do a good football team out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the thing. <laughs> At saw, the very least. Yeah, I saw some tweet. It was like, uh some American going, uh, England has a football team. That's like that's like Kansas having a football team. You know, mm. like why isn't there a UK football team? Like they don't even consider their own like you know their own brothers yeah, and sisters within like, the nation as actual like you know brothers and sisters they're different peoples yeah but they still maintain this sort of a, like this illusion of being within one union you know and especially all especially all the fucking you know little englanders with their fucking it's just unionism isn't it yeah but union like all these people who are all about england they only care about england but then they're like oh scottish independence fuck that irish independence fuck well, that, that's because they're unionists yeah, but like it's completely like yeah, yeah. completely contradictory standpoints. Yeah, know? yeah, I know what you mean. It's more like they're trying to be trying to adopt that sort of em- like imperialist old British Empire attitude of like this is ours, but that doesn't work anymore because all those claims have been renounced mm-hmm. by the British ruling class for like twenty years or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of contradictions right there. Yeah. It's a weird one. <clears throat> it's a weird one. I mean Football. Empires will all eventually fall at some stage, you know? Yeah, Ozymandias, bro. You know, American Empire almost fell in like the 1920s, wasn't it? Did it? Which is around the time where Days of Heaven is set. Oh! <laughs> yeah, around then. Yeah, around then. 
Yeah, Days of Heaven, 1978. I decided we were done with the political discussion. We'll get on to the films because we're, <laughs> we're 15 minutes into this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Days of Heaven, okay. Terrence Malick, 1978. An interesting year. It is. Interesting time. Yeah, well, both. Like the post-Depression uh, well, era America. It's like pre-World War One, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, I can't remember. It's like, I think it's, it's 1917 or something like that. Yeah. Those tractors were mad. <laughs> yeah, apparently they're like period accurate as well like those are real i was assuming it had to be it's like there's mm. no way they could have made like this fucking <laughs> yeah this, this thing in this realist super realist film it's way too legit yeah days of heaven crazy film it's not really about anything which is uh maybe the best part because it's just probably the most beautiful film ever filmed it's certainly up there jesus up there. i would say gorgeous it is. for me it's my, it's my favorite film aesthetically you know, it's like the real Instagram worthy film. Pure you know? Americana. Pure Americana, you know, golden hour for days. All like, the entire film was filmed during the first hour. Uh, was it before sunrise and the first hour after sunset? Mm. I think or before. I think they were. Them. I think they only shot like 20 minutes a day or something like that in total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is obviously pretty intense, you know. And they must have to like really get it right. Yeah. Because it's like, man, we only got 20 minutes left. We have to call it a day. Like we have mm-hmm. to wait till another 12 hours. Um. Yeah, so it's about, uh, was it Bill and Abby? And their husband and wife. Are they husband and wife or are they, or are they boyfriend and girlfriend? Um, no, they're husband and wife because he's married to her, but then she marries your man. Oh, right. Why some, did something like that. I don't understand why. Because I, I thought the reason that they didn't want to talk or they didn't say why they were together was because they were boyfriend and girlfriend. I was like, oh, that's going to be looked down upon if they're moving out. But if they're married, then I don't understand. He's like, oh, I didn't want people talking. No, it's because uh, yeah, it's Bill and Abby, and they're on the run. Mm. Remember, so yeah, the whole thing is they're trying to find this guy, and like I don't know, it's like a, it's like an identity thing. It's like oh yeah, he's traveling with your one, but uh, oh, yeah. if he's like if she's his sister, that's <coughs> that makes it different yeah. or something like that. Because it's Bill and Abby, and they're traveling with Bill's sister, I think mm-hmm. the little girl, um, and they're on the run because Bill killed. His boss. His foreman, yeah. Yeah, his foreman, yeah. He's in the foundry working away, slaving away over hot stoves, throwing, I don't know, coal or something into mm-hmm. like a little, little furnace thing. And uh, his boss is like, he's like, oh, you're too slow or something mm-hmm. like that. And he's like, he's like, shut the fuck up. And he ran over and like, I think he just, he just boxed him. He fell over and he died. He hits him with the shovel, but the, oh, the yeah. handle end of the shovel. Yeah, yeah. And he, he kills his boss and he runs off. And so they're on the run. And, um, they're basically doing like a cross country kind of thing, mm. and they end up in the Panhandle in Texas. Uh, just as like they're kind of migrant workers, which is a big thing at the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy that you could do that back then. Yeah, just hop run on away. a train and just float, and you don't need anything else. Yeah, and like you just adopt totally new identities. Yeah, and no one would ever know, you know. Pretty crazy, yeah. very romantic, but also obviously horrible conditions. Horrible way to live. Yeah, horrible way to live at the time. You know, they didn't have a good time back then. But yeah. <laughs> They they hop onto some truck, and they're off at like a uh, like a wheat farm, mm. and the owner of the farm is like he's like ailing, he's sick, mm-hmm. but he lives in this massive like beautiful farmhouse kind of thing. This it's manor like on the hill. It's like that just by itself. Just by itself. It's like that painting. I can't remember the name of the painting, but like it's the one where like the woman's sitting in like a field and like looking like reaching up towards it's like this gothic kind of manner mm-hmm. it's like a real americana painting i'm pretty sure like the film or that image at least in the film was based on that painting yeah because the film most of the film looks like something like, it a, looks painting. like a storybook yeah it looks like a moving painting uh like the cinematography is just like 
Goes without saying. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. I mean, Absolutely ridiculous. that's like the one thing that you always hear about Days of Heaven mm. is like how beautiful it's shot because it is stunning. Like we were talking about before, I think last week, we were talking about um, Nomadland and how like it's such a, like I said, like oh, it's such a perfectly shot film because you were talking about Days of Heaven. Mm. And Nomadland fucks up in like how it shoots, you know, its interview scenes, I guess. But there's no fuck up in Days of Heaven. It mm. is like beautiful, stunning sunsets and like beautiful use of lighting and like framing and like that shot of um towards the end where they're like like locusts eventually come and all the locusts is eating the wheat or whatever and they're going through it at night with like candles and sticks. Oh like just stunning. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Stunning. Yeah. And just like the wheat like blowing in the wind yeah. and stuff like that. Just random Random images that uh, are just amazing, you know, mm-hmm. just like compelling. Um, it almost like it, it, like the imagery supersedes the the story. Oh, one hundred percent. The story isn't uh, doesn't really go anywhere, you uh, know. That was my kind of yeah. I didn't really like that about the film. I thought the film was gonna have way more of a story than it does actually have. Mm. Now, like it does have like a story, but like it's slow getting to plot points because yeah. most of the film is just shots of scenery. And just, like, them working for fucking ages. Mm. That's, like, one thing about the film. That I was that I didn't know about it. And then, like, I, found, I did find it very slow. Not boring, slow. Mm. Yeah, but it's only 90 key, minutes long. Key, key phrasing for this episode. Slow and sad. Slow, but, but, slow, not, slow but not boring. <laughs> slow and romantic. Yeah. It's a romantic film. Very romantic film. Which is kind of slow, yeah. It's but like, like a romantic film with a capital R and a small R. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um... But like, I think that's like you know, that's kind of the point. You know, it doesn't. It's also the like probably the most like sort of hookish kind of plot that like a Terrence Malick film could, could have. Like another way, like his, his his new ones have like no real plot. Oh yeah, they've uh, no story. And Bl- Badlands is just basically just people wandering around. Like, there's mm-hmm. no set story at all. That's just Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really standard kind of thing. But this one you have, yeah, Bill and Abby, and they're on the run, and Bill's after killing his, his boss, and they're on this farm. And the farm owner takes uh, a liking to Abby. And uh, Bill and Abby are married, but Bill is like, "Here, I'm sick of being uh, a farmhand. I'm sick of being poor. I'm sick of slumming it with the these average Joes in the fields, uh, like, re- like reciprocate his uh, affection." Mm. And it ends up that Abby and the farm owner get married, and then eventually sh- she falls out of love in different ways, uh, kind of with both men. Um, but like, it's it's like a really like it's a cool premise. It's, mm. it's like a it's something that you you like pitch. You probably you could pitch that in a writing room, like, oh yeah, that, that's, that's yeah, it. that can work. Yeah, that that works. But like, this, it's that's not like a rom. It could be it could be a rom com. It could be a rom. <laughs> yeah, it could be like you could have Matthew McConaughey, Owen Wilson, or something like that. You know, fucking Jennifer Aniston in the middle. But mm. uh, but like, it's not like that. It's not it's not like fast paced. It's not like gags or anything. It's just like it's just kind of meandering around. It's like the, it's like the wheat in the field. And it's just kind of blowing which this way and that. And uh, but like the entire time. The imagery always goes way above the plot, mm-hmm. uh, which is the main thing I think with Malik because it's it's not a because he has this sort of uh, divine or so like ethereal kind of uh, attitude or like this effect to the, to his fil- to his films because uh, the film itself like the title Days of Heaven was, is a quote from the Bible and uh, it's a reference to Eden uh, the Garden of Eden which is probably why it's all shot during golden era yeah it's like this ethereal kind of feel where it's like you don't feel like there's anything beyond this, no it's, it's just the, like it's, it's like, like a this, prairie and yeah. it's like it's a it's a space like the, yeah. the world everything within the world 
is this field or wherever they are. Mm. This like series of fields. Yeah, yeah. Because you kind of forget that there is an outside world. You forget yeah. that they came here on a train. You forget everything at the start of the film, basically. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, it feels like you're there for so long as well. Yeah, because because the start of the film takes place in like it's like fire and brimstone kind mm. of thing. It's like in the middle in the in a foundry or the the founding scenes like Cain and Abel kind of thing mm-hmm. where he, he murders his his boss and then they they flee and uh, and it's, they're kind of in the Garden of Eden for ages and uh, you have all these other biblical references like he's he's washing her feet at one point and uh, the locusts come down mm-hmm. um when the far the farm fire. Yeah, when the fireman discovers that she's she's been lying to him the entire time, um, and the fire and stuff like that, um, so it's like a huge like biblical element to it, which I think is um his whole kind of vibe, you know. It's mm-hmm. like basically like n- no one in the film has any real agency. Like no, they're all just, no, they're no. all just kind of running around and like bouncing off each other, and no one seems to really like um care about anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like it's all they're all very self involved involved in their own lives but not like a, like a really narcissistic way but just like the way anyone would be yeah whereas the like the imagery itself contrasts completely against the characters because mm-hmm. it's just a landscape and it's like there's like close-ups of the locusts and there's close-ups of uh the pheasants and stuff like that just like just animals just like doing their thing yeah and just like the, this massive landscape or even just like machinery doing its thing yeah yeah like contrasted against like these little people they're just like sort of plugging away mm-hmm. at the at their work yeah and like they have their own little lives going on mm-hmm. but in the end none of it really like it doesn't really matter what's happening in these people's personal lives they're just little specks in like the grand scheme of the universe or like god's grand plan um you know something like that some i think that's malik's kind of kind mm-hmm. of vibe you know it's very very much a uh i don't know divine i don't know how you'd, you'd describe it it's kind of the form of, su- of the sublime nearly yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a, yeah, it's like a religious co- or yeah. spiritual kind of sublime, um, you know. Like, he, he clearly has no regard for um, like the smaller stories. No, like he just does. I don't think he cares. Like and there isn't, deep, there isn't, especially because there is no like, there's no B plot or anything in this film. It's just straight A plot. Like, there's little detours with like the girl who's also the mom in Gummo. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. She's great in this. She's great. Yeah, like you were saying earlier, it's like the film. Like I was listening to it. I was switching between tabs at one point, and the the dialogue. I was just like, "That's that reminds me yeah. of Chloe Savini in uh, in Gummo, just the way they're yeah. talking. It's very like naturalistic. Like they 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 stumble over words yeah, and stuff. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I know, like, yeah, because it really did feel like Gummo because she starts talking at the start of the film. I didn't realize for ages though that that the, the narration was her. Yeah, yeah. It took me ages to, f- to figure <laughs> that out. Yeah, the um, entire film is pretty much from the, the little girls viewpoint yeah like really innocent but it's also like she's she, like she knows things that is impossible for her to know yeah 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 so like there's something there might, there might, there might be something going on there with you talk of like like a god mode of how you view the film yeah, we're god hearing mode, yeah. we're hearing like a character's voice but we're not from her perspective yeah even though is. she is basically the main character yeah she yeah yeah she, like technically she's the main character there's four main characters really. yeah it's more like the camera is just the main character you mm-hmm. know like i was reading um I was reading the thing about transcendental cinema. Which yes, sort of comes into um, Tokyo Story later. But yeah. like, the there's a specific line about it was Paul Schrader was was, was uh, did an article a specific line he had about uh, the French philosopher Gilles Deleuze talking about um, time image, which is I I really do not understand very mm. well. Like I've, I don't know, it's really abstract. But um, uh, Deleuze is making like a distinction between pre-war cinema where you had 
like this obsession with sort of linear time yeah where it's like following the character and sort of obsessed with narrative and just the movement of um, objects on the screen whereas afterwards sort of stuff like days of heaven and tokyo story as we'll find later where like you have these sort of just these frames that just it's like an omniscient kind of camera mm-hmm. where you have stuff like the wheat fields just sort of blowing back and forth yeah we're no longer it doesn't the characters aren't the, the car- focus yeah the car it's not from a character's viewpoint or anything it's just like it's uh the camera seeing it yeah it's a completely different kind of way of approaching the film yeah it's something to do with time like, like the camera I, captures what it captures yeah 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 it's a really abstract concept yeah. but it's just something about uh like montage and stuff like that but yeah like she's she says stuff that she can't possibly know yeah but she does somehow and mm-hmm. she's just rambling on the entire time and even at the end she doesn't really go anywhere with her story no no we never find out really what happens it just, they just kind of wander off down the train track yeah um, on to the next adventure yeah yeah but like <laughs> it's such a it's a pure Americana like it, like it feels like a Steinbeck book like it feels like Wrath, Wrath of or ra- Grapes of Wrath Grapes of Wrath I was yeah. going to say Wrath of Grapes like, that's not the Wrath way it is Wrath of the Titans Wrath of the Titans uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Grapes of Wrath um like it feels like that specifically because of the biblical elements of the film like as you said earlier like the locusts come like plague comes and fire comes and you have a like the a repeat of sin because he ends up killing the dude as well and mm. um, the the farmer of the of the estate um and then he eventually dies as well but like it is like uh it's Steinbeck in that sense because Steinbeck has the fl- or Grapes of Wrath has that flood in it and there's so much biblical imagery throughout the film and it's just Americana as fuck and mm. especially because of the landscape that it's shot in. Like, I, it feels like you're reading a novel or something. I, especially because when when they arrive into the estate at first and then it just shows a shot of the house and then it shows the farmer coming out. Like, I felt like I was reading lines of, like, describing... Yeah the house and then mm. like seeing the rich man come out and like oh who the fuck is that and it's like oh he's obviously the owner um it feels like a novel mm. and it's especially because it is slow as fuck and there's like very little actual story yeah i didn't think it was that slow i thought it was i oh, man i thought my i watched this with my mom and dad my mom and dad <laughs> my dad fell asleep through the into- basically what? the whole film <laughs> and my mom fell asleep twice yeah yeah <laughs> No, it's mad. It's definitely like something you could easily fall asleep to. But mm. I say you have great dreams, you know. I, I, I was having great dreams watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, oh, it's yeah. like dreamlike imagery. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it was that slow. But like, it is. I think it's just it was too stimulating for it to be slow. Because just like I was like, oh, all the pretty pictures, you know. Yeah, but it's like calming pretty pictures. Yeah, yeah. Of like weed fields and like people working mm. and like cows. Yeah, and that sky. And it's Sky, that yeah. the the shot of um of them out on the wheat field, and they're all it's like it's the cover as well of them like looking around or whatever, and then you just see this swarm of locusts. Yeah, man, that's, that's, a that's like that's scene. like chilling. That's like sc- I actually found that scary. Yeah, I got I got I got <laughs> scary. I found it scary. <laughs> I like it was such a like oh fuck moment. We're like like especially and it depicts it. Like 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 wrath of God shit coming yeah, down. Yeah, it's yeah. so well done. I was like, oh fuck, that is like, because imagine like being like your entire food source, like disappearing, and not in terms of like you know like it's a like a potato blight or something like that. Like you can see a swarm of something coming, and you're like, I have there's no way of defending myself or my food. I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's over. That's what they had to deal with back in the day. Yeah, you know? biblical times. 
You know, even back in the 1900s. I mean, when locusts. you're living through that shit, you have to believe in God. You're just like, there's no other explanation yeah, for this. Yeah, that's This is just too bad of a fucking uh, of luck for it to be a coincidence. Yeah, surely. <laughs> like, yeah, locusts. Like, yeah, there's no other way to explain that. It's like, oh, yeah, they just came from... They have, like, migration periods where they just go around. It's like, oh, it's just part of nature. It's like, that's a load of bollocks. Yeah. You're like, that's bullshit. It's God, man, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, look at the sky. It's yeah. God. But uh, I thought that was a... I thought it was just like really nice. No, I thought it was beautiful, <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, locusts in general are just scary. Man, they're I'd be dirty like, little I'd hunts. be like, you can have my food. I'm not going to go yeah. near you, you know? They're big as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah. You know? I'd be like, fuck that. But there's even a shot of the locusts at the start of the film, and they're kind of like laughing at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, oh, foreshadowing there. <laughs> <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> the twist. <laughs> but, uh, the twist you never see coming. <laughs> <laughs> This summer, <laughs> Richard Gere versus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but um, yeah, but you can't even. You have to. How do you kill them? There's talking about smoke. smoke. Talking about smoke in the film. Yeah, but how, what? Think about ancient Egypt. You know, think about ancient Egypt. That's another thing as well with the film. Um, that relates to the Bible. Like the 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 whole story pretty much is taken out, is ripped out of the Bible as well. Yeah, Abraham. I think it was Abraham or Abraham uh, and his wife Sarah. Uh, did the same thing pretty much in Egypt mm. and she got with the pharaoh and uh, God was like this is exactly how I planned it you know and something else happened and then they had the whole locust thing in like a different chapter yeah. but, but it's like you know the, it's ripped out of the those Bible those the DLC packs yeah yeah that was like the Dead Sea Scroll pack they, <laughs> they didn't unlock that for a few centuries <laughs> but uh, it's ripped out of the Bible you know Terrence Malick just got it's crazy spiritual vibes mm. what is he getting at I'm not entirely sure is it interesting Yes. <laughs> it's interesting. It's appealing to watch. Food it's for the beautiful. eyes. It is food beautiful. for the eyes. Yeah. A feast for the senses. Great sound design as well. Great sound design. It's a little weather vane like mm-hmm. running around. Like Every time you see the far- the farm, the farm owner guy, he's looking down, he's like getting cooked in, like, in front of his eyes and his own... Um, yeah. His own property by her by by her brother by her brother yeah yeah <laughs> in his eyes she's like you let your brother touch you like that she's like you ever had a sister who <laughs> are like, you the judge yeah. what what does what? that mean <laughs> what does that mean uh, Abby you dog you dog you dirty bitch <laughs> but um he's looking down and the weather vane's just like running but like it's like so peaceful mm. the way, like the way they and like uh, en, what's his name Ennio Maricone the guy who did uh, Good, the Bad and the Ugly yep he did the soundtrack for this soundtrack is so good oh, did the, he? yeah little uh, the little guitars and stuff mm. and the uh, little twinkling kind of thing at the start of the film yeah very beautiful soundtrack Iconic. I didn't even notice the soundtrack, if I'm honest. Are you for real? Yeah. I it's one of the best soundtracks ever, I was man. just kind of too... Because uh, for some reason, when I was watching it, man, the sound for the dialogue was down so low. I watched this on YouTube. I got paid for it. No subtitles, man. I needed subtitles so fucking badly. Couldn't understand a fucking word that they were saying most really? of the time. Honestly. Man, what the fuck? I, I don't know what the fuck it was. I was watching on my TV, and I was like, there's something wrong with the sound. Like, it was so hard to hear what they were saying. That's shit. I watched that on like a dodgy side and it was, it was fine. I know. Fucking joke, man. It's a joke. That's that's a scam. That is a scam. That's that's actually terrible. No, the soundtrack is very good. I know subtitles as well, man. On YouTube. You're on paying YouTube. for that. I was paying you're for paying it. paying for that. Man, and they don't give you subtitles. Sometimes when you pay for it on YouTube, there's no subtitles. That doesn't make any sense. That should be illegal. <laughs> that should be illegal. Yeah. That should straight up be illegal. You should be able to make a claim off that. Like literally yeah. for a refund. Honestly, yeah. Like what if, what if you're deaf? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if you're deaf? Like? <laughs> That's on YouTube. Because I love watching films with uh, with subtitles. 
I I watch everything. I with always subtitles. watch it with subtitles. I watch always, so I can eat at the same time. And you know? it pisses me off as well, right? Where like, uh, what do you mean? So you can eat at the same time? <laughs> so I can hear. I can. I can. You know. So I can't. It doesn't like take up my hearing. Or whatever. Yeah, so I'm eating crisps uh, and I can read what's going like, on. That hit me like a few seconds. Does that mean? Are we munching on my crisps? Yeah, no. I just love watching things with subtitles. It's like I. It pisses me off where like um like I watch things on my computer all the time. And it's it's annoying because I can like I can move the the media player box out of the out of the window of like Firefox. I use Firefox a lot, and so you can move it across. I don't know if that's the same thing on uh, Google Chrome or not. It probably is. I have no idea. Anyway, I always watch shit like that. But when you put on subtitles, unless it's like a foreign language film, and sometimes that doesn't even work, the subtitles aren't ingrained in the film it's coming from the window so when you pull it out the media player you don't get the subtitles but the subtitles are still playing in the media box in the box that's a load of bollocks load of bollocks it's like these few things from bad like, this design is f- that's this is fucking design. stupid like sometimes I can watch a foreign language film and like still do things and have it in the corner so I can just glance my eye up like uh, watching it but like sometimes you can't do that and I don't understand why yeah, that's a joke. It's specific, it happens a lot with movie, I'm pretty sure, because movie doesn't ha- a movie always plays the films like in their original form, and then they add on the subtitles. So mm. they have like a wide variety of subtitles. A lot of times, a lot of times you click onto a movie, and it's like subtitles for like fifteen things. Yeah, I saw it today. Yeah, I was like, way more than like Netflix or something like that. First car, or whatever. It was like, it's like a whole scroll, mm. like massive list of languages that they use yeah fair play to them but but then you click onto some some titles and mm. they don't have any subtitles or they, I went on to it was French movie a while ago and I was I wanted to watch something and I clicked onto it and it was it was a Korean film I can't remember what it was but they only had French French or Italian subtitles I was like mm. what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah yeah I was I was trying to watch Casper Hauser by Werner Herzog like yeah. a big big director obviously in the like pretty much everywhere and it was on, uh, I think it was on French movie, but they know English. Yeah. Like, why would you I not I think have they English? changed that recently. For Casper Hauser? I just, in general, I'm pretty uh, sure they, because I've noticed that, because I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure Tokyo Story was one of the films that I wanted to watch, mm. and it didn't have subtitles, but I went on to it, like, yesterday, it did have subtitles on, mm. so I think they updated it, and one of the updates that I noticed was when I clicked on to Taste of Cherry, it came up with a warning about this film deals with suicide. Movie now gives oh, right. like content warnings uh, for shit, mm. which I think is super cool. I think that's a really nice touch. Yeah. And I think they updated like I did, they just made movie more accessible, I feel like. Yeah, I haven't uh, updated the app, but not even the app, like on the website. On the website, yeah. Yeah, because I clicked onto another film and I wanted to watch it and I just I didn't want to watch it, but it came up again with like this film contains scenes of like self harm and suicide. Ah, yeah. And I think that's cool. I think every platform should do it. Fair play to movie. Like, just give a little warning. Just a small little warning. Just a little warning, you know? Thank God Taste of Cherry had that warning. <laughs> oh, is it bad? Taste of Cherry. Intense. Okay, so, want to give a content warning for, because <laughs> we just mentioned content warning, so, want to give a content warning for, like, Taste of Cherry. Uh, this film is purely about suicide. Like, that's what the film is about. So, if you're not comfortable listening to that, Timestamp for Tokyo Story in the description, because yeah. um, we're just going to chat it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you don't li- if you don't listen to that, don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. uh, skip ahead. But yeah, Taste of Cherry is about. Um, it starts off with this fella just driving around, and this is like in the same vein of like Days of Heaven and Tokyo Story, slow and sad. Where like <laughs> the camera, the camera sits beside the fella, 
and it's just long takes of him just driving around. And that's it. And, that's, and he picks up people. He'll pick up a few people and he has conversations with them. And then just like shots of his car driving around. But for the most part, that's about it. The camera is stationary for about 70% of this film. Oh, I think I remember. I remember reading the plot somewhere earlier. And so... Or not the plot, just the premise, sorry. He's, so he's driving around. And at the start, you have no idea what, he, what he's doing. But what he wants to do is he wants to uh, kill himself. And he wants to be buried by someone. That's what he's going around trying to pay people to do. But they're all like, nah, man, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> no way. Until he eventually finds someone that he do- that will do it. But, like, this this film is really, really good. Really, really good. good. Really, really good. Who's like, a boy? Um, it's an Iranian director. Ah. Can't, for the life of me, pronounce his name. I can't pronounce his name. But... This is the first film by this dude that I've seen, and he it's it's minimalist cinema, which is the same thing that Tokyo Story does, where it's like there's just there's so little stimulation from everything that you got to focus in on the characters, mm. like there's not like and it's it's really well shot. Like there's a shot in the film where it's him driving around, like the rest of the film, but so it put he stops at somewhere to talk to someone, and this person is on like the right hand side of the car so where the camera is and he's looking over past the camera to this person trying to talk to them and like but they're on the phone box or whatever so then he drives he does a lap and comes back around but this time whatever way that they move the car or whatever this time it's on it's like on his side of the car mm. even though it's one take so the car so whatever way they move the car what, what was behind us behind the camera he comes around another angle and it's in front of us and it's all one take it's just a nice movement of the car yeah yeah and i noticed i was like that was a nice that was a nice shot that was very nice (laughs) but there's there's loads of stuff like that in the film and it is like really well shot but it is just characters talking like that's what 90 not even like not even 90 percent of the film like 20 percent of this film or like now like 40 60 percent of the film is him like talking to people but that other 40% is just him driving around by himself and that's all that you're looking at. And no dialogue, no? And no dialogue. So he's just like, ta- it's like, oh, do you want to bury me or whatever? He's just like, I have a job for you. And like, he doesn't really describe to them what it is until like, he gets them close to where the grave is and then he tells them what this, what he wants them to do. And he picks up two fellow be- two people beforehand. They both say no. He picks up a young soldier and some kind of religious guy. I can't remember what he, what he, uh, what he, or his beliefs are, I can't remember the name of it, but maybe it's Islam, I'm not sure, anyway, I think it is, it's like a form of Islam, but anyway, um, <clears throat> and that guy says no, and then eventually it cuts to him, like, having found the third person, and this guy's like, yeah, I'll do it, and then he tries to talk him out of it, and like, there's so, like, little going on in the film, but... There's also a lot going on in the film. Mm. Like it, from these conversations and from the way it's shot, there's like this whole message or like this whole idea of perspective, where like you know literally nothing about the main character. I don't even think you know his name. You don't know why he wants to do, why he wants to do what he wants to do. Like people ask him, and the f- camera will just hold on him. And like from his from his acting. You can tell when, like, when he's thinking about what they said, or if he's just not listening to them at all. Yeah, yeah. And like from that, you learn about like about him, and then in terms of like 
the like the conversations he has with people like you can see how like just little tidbits about what he about i don't know just like how he's thinking but like never from his perspective like he never talks about why he wants to do what he does like who he is he never reveals any details to anyone and you could just kind of have to you kind of have to like you don't even like, you can't even guess what he wants but yeah i literally have no idea why and the film doesn't mm. give you any hints at all for that but that's kind of the point it doesn't matter because it's about like perspectives and it does this massive shift in the last also spoilers for this film and like it, not that this is a spoiler that ruined the film but like it would emphasize its other aspects in knowing this and I didn't know that, that what this was until I watched the film. But so he takes, he finds this guy that says, "Yeah, I'll do this," and he goes into the grave and he takes a lot of painkillers, and then he lies down or sleeping pills. I can't remember. Anyway, he lies down, and then thunder comes over, and then the film just cuts to black, and you don't know what the fate of him of what, like this character is because like taste of cherry is a thing in the film, which I'll get onto in a second. But then, what's happening here? This grainy footage like shows up. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And it's showing footage from a f- from a scene earlier on in the film because it's like these fellas marching, and then the actor walks by, and then it's showing them recording the film, like a break. It shows them making the film that you've just watched, mm. and it's like it adds to the fact that like you're like you're reminded, oh shit, yeah, this is just a film, yeah, yeah. But that's also like a shift in perspective on like how you now view the whole thing. And like that, that and that has to do with perspectives within the film, like all these different characters' perspective about you know the taboo in Iran at the time, which was suicide. Like it was illegal to commit suicide. I'm pretty sure in Ireland it was as well at that time. <laughs> that's 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 just like one of those, like you know, obviously it's not funny, but it's pretty hilarious. It's just it's like, like, how, how does that how work? Is it, how is it illegal <laughs> yeah. to commit suicide? Um, and then with but like, and then you know having you don't have a, his perspective on suicide you don't have his perspective on why he wants to do what he wants to do you just know he wants to do it and that's like and he's so far to the point where like there's no talking him out of this and he's calm and he's collected about it he's like no no this is just what i'm going to do like it doesn't matter there's yeah, no talking out of it yeah, yeah. i'm i'm going to do this yeah, yeah. and there's an amazing like shot of like the car driving down the road and it's one character trying to talk him out of going ahead with it and then it's also him directing him where to go on the road so it is literally him trying to find him a path out of this where he's like talking to him about like trying to get him out of out of out of his situation but also out of the place in which they are and those you know what i mean yeah literally like uh, trying to bring him down the road and that's like a, a thing within the film as well where like at one stage he like crashes or he doesn't crash he just goes off the road and all these people come over and they help him back onto the road mm. and the character who's trying to talk him out of it is talking about all this beauty in life it's like pure like like gummo in that sense where like it's yeah. all about the smaller things it's all about like your relationship to people it's about like this very very simple things and he talks about that character reveals to him like oh i tried to kill myself before but i had a mulberry and that like saved me because i remember i tasted the mulberry and I stopped for a second and I saw like the sunrise and like kids coming out to play or whatever and it made me stop. The w- and so he's talking about the taste of a mulberry stopping him. The character, the main character, wants to bury himself underneath a cherry tree. So ah, yeah. that's a way that you can read the film is like a cherry would eventually fall on him and he tastes it and he's and he stops. 
Oh, you know what I mean? As he's being buried. No, like he like he he's in the he's in the in the hole and he hasn't taken the oh, oh, the right. sleeping pills yet and it cuts to him in the hole with his eyes closed like deciding and that's it. But there's also the storm coming over, which would mean it might rain, which means it might you know hit the tree It'll or something, the, you know? Blow the boughs, yeah, yeah. So there's like different ways that you can read the film. Regardless, like this is basically a perfect movie in in so many different oh, ways. Where did you watch this? Movie. movie ah of course of course like uh, the Iranians Iranians my first Iranian film and I was blown away how honestly did, how did they make this in what was it 2000 something 1997 was it yeah man well, like, it deals with like it takes like, su- like suicide in like a really like kind of nice like not in like a nice way but like in a non like offensive way basically like yeah. it's just like it is just what it is in the film it's like there's no there's no judgment on the character at all like the film just portrays it as it is mm. which is the same kind of thing as we talk about with like Gummo and we'll get onto with like Tokyo story like this minimalist form of shooting things which there's no judgment put onto the characters yeah 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 well h- how did they make it in Iran the Islamic Republic of apparently Iran? the director uh, like he just he wasn't I don't know why they, they just never realized like his mm. international recogni- recognition and then when they did it was like he had gone too far to the point where, like... It's, like, too late. It's yeah. too late. He's, like, he already I, made it, yeah. He's already made it, so I don't yeah. know. That's gas, though. Yeah, that, that that's... Uh... But this one, The Palme d'Or. Oh, did it? Yeah, this was a big film. Yeah, yeah. Taste of Cherry. Roger Ebert famously hated it. Man, he's a wanker. Because he didn't understand it. He wasn't... Like, genuinely, he just genuinely didn't understand the film. He didn't understand it. There's a lot of films he didn't understand. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of films. He was a weird guy. He was wrong about everything. He was. <laughs> he really, I hate some of his opinions. Yeah, some of them were just like, he's like, I don't know, like not like in a bad way, but like really American, mm. extremely American. But yeah, oh yeah, it sounds really good, but it sounds really, it's kind of sad though. It's a down, it is a bit, of a, bit of a downer, yeah. and it's slow, like it's slow. How long is it? 90 minutes. That's grand. Yeah. That's grand. Yeah. 90 minutes. Yeah, but slow, suicide, it's like, oh. Yeah. You know, and it makes you think about it. Yeah, like it's a film yeah. that makes you think about the topic a bit uh, of don't, suicide. Don't do that. You know, but like, uh, what 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 made you watch it? What I just heard that it was unreal. Oh, really? I just heard it was a really good film, and I knew nothing about it. Mm. Yeah, fair. And That's I heard it was like well shot, and it is it's amazingly shot. Mm. But yeah. it's pure minimalism. Pure minimalism. Yeah, sure. Iran, man, they're kind of like dark horses. They have that <laughs> one. Uh, what was it? Girl walks alone at midnight or something. Yeah, I I want to watch that now. Same. Having watched uh, this film, yeah, he has other films though. He has um. Did he direct that as well? No, no, no. Ah. He's he's dead now. Um, can't for the life me think of his name. The director. Yeah, the director. I have him here. Would you look up? I've no idea what it is. <clears throat> Abbas Kurostami. Kurostami. Yeah. But he has like a few different things. He has a film, the. Coker trilogy, I think it's called. Have you ever heard that? Um, or Croker? No. It's like some. F- it's some trilogy. Apparently, it's amazing. It's on the Criterion Collection. The Croker <coughs> trilogy. Yeah, the Criterion. Well. Yeah. You know it's good, danger. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, Abbas Kirstami, what a guy. Yeah, he's got loads of films. The yeah. wind will carry us through the olive trees, close up. Where's the friend's home? Yeah, the Iranian New Wave, part of that yeah. that movement. Which I didn't know was a thing. Nor did I. Die. But yeah. that's got me interested in watching, you know, Iranian films now. Because that was my first look into Iranian films. It was like one of the best films I've ever seen. 
you know? Yeah, they they haven't figured out. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> I was like, well, maybe I don't need to see anymore. It's like around, have a <laughs> wooden done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go for a little breaking. Aye, aye. And now, on to our recommended film of the fortnight. Yasujiro Ozu's Tokyo Story. We've been hyping this up <laughs> from the stars. The greatest <laughs> film of all time. Keep mentioning it. We keep talking about it. But it is. It's, um, you know, it's Tokyo Story. It's the story of elderly Sukeishi and his wife, Tomi, take the long journey from their se- small seaside village to their adult children in Tokyo. Their elder son, Ko- Kochi, a doctor, and their daughter, Shigi. I might be pronouncing these names. I'm probably both saying these names. Shigi. Shig. That's probably wrong. Anyway, a hairdresser. Don't have much time to spend with their aged parents, and so it falls to no- Noriko, the widow of their younger son who was killed in the war, to keep her in-laws company. Yeah, that's it. Jesus. That's like, that is it. That's it. That's that's it. That is the plot for two and a half hours. Yeah, this film is two and a half hours long. It's maybe the the slowest film I've ever watched in my entire life. It is so slow, it's ridiculous. One of the best as well. It's (laughs) very, very good though. It's very good. It's uh, very different than anything I've seen. Oh, miles apart. Very different. Man. You know, it's a uh, meditation in a way. Pure, it's like... Um, I heard about how Ozu talked about um, minimalist uh, cinema, that's what it was, um, as like Buddhist cinema. Like this film is meant to be a meditation on Japanese life, basically. Even the title, A Tokyo Story, you, that is, that's like, it. it's the story of a place yes, and the people living in it. Yeah, story of two parents going to Tokyo, see, seeing what's up, you know, and like things happen. And they're, they're kind of neglected by their, by their, by their children. And the children have no respect, you know, except yeah. for Noriko, who isn't even their child. Yeah. She is the the wife of a son who died uh, during the war, I assume. They World War the, II. They toppled the war yeah. uh, at various points. But it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's like, there's like a rhythm to it in the way that like it draws you in. Like I, I, I um, Paul Schrader is a big fan of this film. Yeah. Big fan of this film. Paul Schrader who wrote Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. Who directed Mishima? He was a film theorist and like a in in general really. Mm. He was before he even got into into screenwriting. I was reading a few articles about it, um, just on like random websites, like BuzzFeed and like IndieWire, um, and like he shows up in the comments. The libraries of the of the world. Yeah, yeah, the fucking <laughs> the library of Alexandria of, of of the modern day. But he shows up in the comments. Paul Schrader himself shows up in the comments, like defending his positions and stuff. What? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's like, he's like. People are like, nah, that you spelled the name wrong here. And he's like, yeah, but I tried. You know, it's so, it's so funny. It's very, very strange. Because the guy's obviously an icon. But he had a. He released a book. I think it's just called uh, Transcendental Cinema, um, in nineteen seventy two, I think, mm. which talks a lot about this film and other films. Um, but this is a big one, like Ozu. Like obviously, it's a huge film in general within the canon. But he talked about this in terms of, um, like. The way it sounds, it's kind of like intentionally boring. Yeah. But like it uses that as like a, like a narrative device, mm-hmm. or like not even a narrative device, more like a like an aesthetic device mm-hmm. to like lull you into a place where you you're like sort of absorbed into like how these lives actually flow, like how 
how like the story actually plays yeah, out. Yeah, the rhythm, the, the rhythm of their lives. The rhythm of my life. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> great song. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's like I was saying earlier. What I was trying to say, uh, the time image thing that Paul Schrader mm. was using, and um, which I, I don't really understand, but uh, it's basically about um, how pre-war cinema is sort of obsessed with time or sees time as like. Uh, or treats it in, in like a cinematic sense as like these discrete moments that are sort of like spliced together, mm-hmm. like like any kind of montage, even like something like Eisenstein, uh, and like uh, like American montage. Uh, there's different types, but they all use they all see time as like this as a linear thing where you like chop it up into different different ways. Mm-hmm. And like Eisenstein, for example, would have like uh, oppositions, and the oppositions like the two like sort of competing images create like a synthesis of meaning. Mm-hmm. Whereas after the war, after the war, apparently. Uh, Schrader and Deleuze saw this uh, this sort of uh, like unshackling from narrative forms or from that kind of perception of how time works um, where you have like a reinterpretation of or so yeah sort of a reinterpretation of how like time flows in a more like naturalistic sense as like sort of a flowing thing yeah. as something that just expands continually uh, and so like uh, Tokyo Story treats time in that kind of way as something that just kind of flows and if it flows in a really realistic way oh, as, yeah. as you actually perceive time. And that's that's it's really slow because of that. But in that way, it also lulls you into this into this space where anytime something dramatic happens, it's like extremely like like heavy with mm-hmm. meaning. It's like it's a it's way more impactful. Yeah, because it's like when big news happens in your life, it is big news. And it's just, you get that same kind of sense of like hearing about, you know, something bad happening. Full spoilers for this film. I'm gonna have to go straight into oh, it. Yeah, but like yeah. when 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 the grandma dies, and it was like like I felt like the characters because I'd spent so I felt like I'd spent years of my life with her in this like two hour spans because you're with the characters for fucking ages in like yeah. the purest mundanity of their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it like hold the camera is like is stationary constantly. It's like looking at photos, like moving photos, um, kind of the opposite effect of uh, Days of Heaven, which because of the colors, it was like a picture that someone painted. But like, because th- this is in black and white, it feels like picking up old photos and just like, like seeing the photos move and looking at like the memory or some type of shit. Yeah. Like, you know, th- like that's the kind of feeling I get with the film because it's still cameras constantly. One of the things I learned about about this film as well is that it constantly breaks the 180 rule i now know what that is because i've seen this film break it so many times Mm. like the camera the camera works in such a weird way where like we'll have like a lot of i noticed as well a lot of the conversations is three people there's a lot of like three people talking so like you have the the two grandparents talking to noriko and and they're talking about you know, just, like, uh, their son and, like, how she's taking more care of them than her own kids or whatever. But, like, it's shot from behind Noriko. So, like, the three of them are in the shot, right? And then it'll cut in between, like, a close-up or, like, a head-on of all three of the characters talking and then return back to that three-way shot and then go back in. Mm-hmm. And, like, it goes in when, like, the conversation is getting more, like, heavy and you feel more personal. You feel like the person's talking to you. And that's the sense that I got even watching like the the standstill shots of like people just walking around the house or whatever it felt like you're sitting on the floor like in the house with them as like as they're going about because it doesn't feel dramatic it doesn't feel cinematic 
it feels really realistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Because, like, like, the idea of, like, treating time is, or, or just, like, treating the story as something very, like, naturalistic, you feel like it'd be more, um, I don't know, more uh, mundane. And it is mundane, but it's also, there's, like, this weird dream kind of quality to it, mm. where, like, you feel, uh, you feel like you're there with them, but at the same time, there's, like, a, there's, like, a different person in the room, and they're all kind of privy to this. We're just kind of privy to this moment between them. And even the way, uh, like, it sort of shows, like, how revolutionary it was in, how, in its approach. That, like, when it was first screened in America, and it wasn't screened in the West for, like, a while after it was yeah. first released. It wasn't it wasn't received that well. It got re-released even in Japan, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was it was, it was, it was thought as, like, too Japanese. Yeah. Like, and, um, but when it was released in the West, they r- misinterpreted, like, the, the sort of the film grammar. Because a lot of it is shot at, like, kind of... Um, ground level. Yeah, ground level. Like, as if you're sitting there. Yeah, as if you're in the room. Because in Japan, they seem to all sit down, like, on their knees, on their mm-hmm. hunkers and stuff like that. Like, just as, like, out of habit. Like, this is a 70-year-old man getting down every few minutes on his knees. I couldn't do that right he's now. Like, oh, Jesus. I, I was like, I was like, oh, my knees, you know. But this guy's doing it, and he's, he's really old. But that's just how they do it. But in the West, they're like, oh, he's trying to glorify the characters. Mm. Because in, in nearly every shot, like, they're... Their faces are in like the top half of the frame, yeah, or the top third, which in our like sort of Western language would be like a, a glorification because shot. Citizen Kane did it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so th- this kind of like turned things in a completely different direction, like formally and like uh, aesthetically and stuff yeah. like that. Which is a uh, I don't know, it's a, like something that you'd know intuitively watching it, but you'd have to sort of maybe you'd have to read into it to sort of understand why. But like as you're watching it, you get that feeling. Oh that no, it, it doesn't. I, I never even read that anywhere. I was just watching. I was like, I feel like I'm sitting there on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it just like it conveys it so fucking well. Even like one of the things I noticed as well was like when it, when we, when we're in a scene or whatever, most of the time, like you will watch the characters leave that room or whatever. The conversation is done, and the camera will just hold for a second longer, allow you to like think about the conversation that went on or just like what the conversation means like even because it has this whole like stylistic thing going on and like that's kind of the point of the film but also it's like the perfect like example of like like which is reason 101 why we should take down capitalism is like let us spend time with our Mm. with our elderly let us still like care for them have time like this whole thing of like tradition and gener- intergenerational conflict is a huge thing in Ozu. And I talked about it like briefly with uh, Good Morning. But in this, it's like, it's so, like, it's so ingrained into the narrative of like this, like, there's like, many conversations of like, oh, it was a different time for us. Like, we had time mm. to care for our elderly. They have to work. Even in terms of like, they're surprised where they even live. They're like, oh, we thought you would even live more center. And like, oh, there's too many people in Tokyo, and that's a problem. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, for how their their kids have done so much, like, not better, but like, have had a greater education and more chances to succeed than they did. But they're still like not nowhere near the top of the ladder. <laughs> yeah, there's no freedom in yeah. it. Yeah, like they're they're not allowed any second to breathe. But it's not as if like it's not even it's like they're they're trapped because they're not even looking for it really. Like, yeah, that's the whole. The whole kind of uh, conceit that the kids don't even, they're they're, even they're, trying yeah, their, their children don't even look around to try to like to, to take those moments that the camera does, where it just sort of lingers. Which you have that in like even in Days of Heaven, where the, the camera just kind of lingers for a bit. That's like the scene 
it's like something you'd recall in a memory. Yeah. Where you you, just, you mainly remember the scene, like the like the landscape or like what you saw, what the room was like when you recall that memory. Mm-hmm. And then like the sort of the the characters or the people are there as well. But like it's all kind of like a whole, you know. Uh, and it's like the whole trans transcendental thing and like the the Zen kind of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, like editing and like you have like action movie editing, and uh, you know stuff like Mad Max. I think the average uh, shot length in Mad Max is something like two point three seconds or something, which is it's just like shot, 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 yeah. shot, shot, shot. There's no room to breathe at all. Whereas this film deliberately takes time to just just kind of linger, just breathe, yeah, and leave you alone w- with your thoughts, mm-hmm. or le- leave the film alone, or the characters alone, uh, or just the landscape and like the 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 set alone for just for like a few seconds just to kind of consider what's happened or what is going to happen or like just just to chill out for a minute mm-hmm. you know something like it's just it's a very very different kind of film to what we're used to seeing oh completely different very different yeah. like this is a level of slow that like i've never seen but i didn't i didn't find it boring at all i i was so engaged in like the story that was going on, even though it's a very simple story, but because of like how it's conveyed, how it's told to you, how it, how like it's acted, um, I was so involved with the characters. I felt so bad for the grandparents. Yeah, like, yeah, they're so sweet. And like it is the big, it's the biggest like, <laughs> it like it is like, spend it, the whole message of them is like spend time with the elderly and like or just breathe in a in a bigger like, uh, extent to that just like take the moments to breathe or chill out um but like i loved the the grandparents so much i thought they were so sweet they're the perfect like cute couple if the, if these if these grandparents were alive now they'd have a tiktok and they'd be massive <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah they'd just be too cute like but uh yeah there's but there's a whole thing about um like sort of um like it's like the zen philosophy or I don't know. There's like a whole different way of looking at it. Like I know, like in in work, they have uh, little tools for like mindfulness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you like visualize. It's all one is watch Tokyo Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really <coughs> relaxing. Um, but it's all this. It's all like you know the Western kind of stuff. Like all the stuff we have now, like oh, like well and stuff like that. Like most of it's ripped from Eastern yeah. philosophy. Uh, like visualize certain things or take a moment, control your breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, like let. Like the this whole idea of like sort of standing back and like observing your thoughts as they pass, yeah, which is a huge thing in this film because you have the it's like an iconic the final shot. It's not really a spoiler, but the final shot is just these these boats passing, uh, passing in the bay, mm-hmm. and it's it, it follows a, a scene where the the granddad is talking to Noriko, and she's uh, she's sort of in denial about the fact that she's lonely. She's extremely lonely because her her husband is dead and she's just kind of on her own. Um, but she still feels tied. She she still feels him. yeah tied down to him, and the granddad is just like like please forget about him like move on with your life like yeah. he, like this is a burden on me just like th- these things will pass like life itself is transient like he's already come to terms with the death of his wife mm-hmm. which occurred the scene previous to that like he's just so at peace with it and then the, the last scene is just him like looking out on the bay and there's a there's a ship passing by and like. The, the film ends mm-hmm. but like that's that's pretty much the film in like a, a microcosm yeah like, that's what it's all about it's just like yeah uh, these like, things pass yeah literally you know? and it's even like oh you're gonna be really lonely now and he's like yeah i guess i will and then he yeah. just like stares out they're and also just, like, they're also like yeah man you're gonna be so lonely i was like 
That's so me. Leave him like, alone. Wife. <laughs> His wife just died. He knows. He knows. Like. His wife just died and his kids left on the day of the funeral. Yeah, and robbed all his wife's clothes. Yeah. Like, it's like His kids are assholes uh, beyond the point. Like. One of them is a complete cunt. Yeah. I think she's the, the, the wife of the doctor or something like that. But like, and even the doctor. No, the doctor's the son. Yeah, yeah, the, the wife. So, so the so the are you talking about the hairdresser? I can't remember one of them, but uh, it was the hairdresser. I'm pretty sure she's the daughter. Yeah, well, there's a few of them, but they're all they're, oh, they're even assholes. the doctor himself. He's like, yeah, she's not going to survive tonight. Yeah, that is all. And he gets up. It's like, man, she's your ma. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, you know, there's no emotion, he doesn't, and he doesn't comfort them at all. Yeah, it's like the, the the children are emotionless in like a robotic sense, in the sense that they're just they're very materialistic and they're tied to their careers. And even the guy who shows up at the end. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't remember his name. But uh, Coach or something like that. But he he's uh, he could have got the earlier train, but he didn't, and then he misses Ma. Yeah, he misses Ma'am dying. Yeah, misses Ma'am dying. But even the fact that like the line, because he's like he's he like reacts in like a robotic way, where like at then the funeral he gets up and he's just like he's talking because earlier on when he heard that his mom was sick, he came in. And your man was like, oh, you should spend more time with your parents or like take care of them, whatever. And your man replies like, you can't, you can't take care of them when they're in the grave or something like that. Yeah. Or you, sp- you can't spend time with them. And, but, and his, like the son's reaction to that was like, yeah, you can't, uh, they can't obey you any longer or whatever. But then when he's at the funeral, then he responds to his situation and like well, how he's feeling to Noriko with the line that the guy said to him. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, he's just, He's just a robot in this situation. Like he's just going through the motions, and not like a kind of like the like the grandfather way of like kind of like chilling out or whatever. Like kind of like observing it. Like he's calculating how he's gonna respond to each to each yeah. emotion, and each of the kids feel like that. Yeah. But like every time that the daughter cries, it feels like it it felt super scripted, mm. as opposed to everything else in the film. Yeah, which yeah, just feels yeah. so naturalistic. Yeah, like e- even even the way Noriko is like clearly bottled up. Yeah, but you can tell there's like, you know, she her has her smile was a, there's something yeah off. really creepy about that. <laughs> but then like it's all contrasted against um, the granda, mm-hmm. who is just like and the grandmother. Yeah, just, like, whereas vibing. like they have all yeah they're they're just vibing. They have all those emotions, but they 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 know how to deal with them because mm-hmm. they don't they don't bottle it up like that, and they're able to like because it's a very obviously a very natural thing to have emotions mm-hmm. and uh, to, you know to like appreciate all these things. But they deal with them, and they know how to deal with them, and they've internalized them, and they know how to express them mm-hmm. in their own little way. Whereas the kids just don't understand that, and they've like sort of fallen out of touch with that, and they're just that they're all fucked up because of it, and they're gonna regret it obviously because their yeah. mom just died. Like, so it's like, you know, talk to your parents, talk to your parents, talk to your parents. Ah, uh, I really, it's sad. I, I love this film though. It's kind of it's kind of life affirming though, mm. you know. It's it's a uh, sort of uplifting. It's like we love those films though. We love all these like Gomo was like that as well, like appreciate the smaller beauties mm. in life. Days of Heaven was like that as well, mm. in a sense. In a different grander kind of way. But like, you know, I love those films. So just like breathe, chill out. Yeah. Taking yeah, the yeah. moments. Yeah. Even though yeah, it doesn't end it doesn't end well for them, you know. <laughs> you know, it's kinda of sardonic or something. I don't know what the word for it. Melancholic. Melancholy. Yeah, mm. pure melancholy. Mm. Such a good film though. It is very it's good. It's part though. of a trilogy. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, early summer and late spring are the other two. Ozu. Yeah, I got to get on this man, you know? I've, all of his films are kind of like that. Or this kind of Meditative. Sense, yeah, very meditative. Minimalist. Mm, yeah. 
He's a Buddhist philosophy to it. He's a pure mammy's boy as well. I can tell. Live with his ma to the end. All the way to the end. He took care of the elderly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is kind yeah. of, I guess, why he's so interested in intergenerational conflicts and in his film. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's something that we don't discuss or talk about. But then you have, yeah, obviously, Japan. I don't know what Japan's like these days, but it's a different thing, obviously, mm. over there. But even in, uh, like, Latin countries and stuff like that, they have a very different idea. Like, different generations will stay in the same household. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's like a shame not to uh, not to look after your elderly. Uh, whereas here, you just kind of stick them in like an old folks home, and it's grand, you know. And you just kind of leave it because mm. it, you know it's 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 not it's not like a great shame. It's just like it's expected that you this have what to, you do. You have to do. You have to you know get your numbers up. Like yeah, you, you got to work. Yeah, you have to do your fifty hours a week, or else you're like you're useless, you know. Um, and there's no room for uh, you know any faffing about, mm-hmm. thinking about things, you know, talking to people, visiting your ma. Nah, not there's no time for that, you know. You gotta work. Yeah, you gotta go to the office, man. You gotta fucking click some buttons mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. You gotta get the the later train or like the early train or whatever, you know. Yeah, no, but it, that's that's what I mean. Like, if it's an anti-capitalist film and all, and yeah, all as well. In the, in the end, yeah, yeah. Like, it's <coughs> it's so it's such a critique of like modern society and even like modern ways of thinking. Even M- like Mishima would love this film. Mishima would, uh, Mishima I s- would I hate s- this film. Nah, he'd be like, oh, this is traditional Japanese society. You know? Oh, he probably would, yeah. You know? Because it's not like, it's not like, oh, we need social- socialism to save this. It's more like, you know, this is, like they're the kind of older generation when they're kind of used to that thing. Whereas the kids, the kids are like basically subjects of America. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, like they're in Japan after the war and they have to do all these things. They have to like, uh, work for their companies and their businesses and uh you know keep up with the kind of uh hectic lifestyle in tokyo mm. whereas the, pa- the parents are like just chill out man you know yeah. that's the way it's always been relax you know even in the terms of <coughs> how um he talks to two of his older mates or something at one stage where he's in the bar and he's drinking yeah yeah and one of us has been a pure perv about yeah, yeah. It. just pure cr- creeping on the girl but uh, and they're talking about like the granddad is talking to his mate, and his mate is just like, "Oh, this generation fucking bitch and moan, basically." And then the granddad is just like, like pure, like <laughs> fully understands his kid's situation, without like they're kind of abused, they're kind of using their situation as a, as an excuse, escape, yeah. as an excuse, as opposed to actually being the reason. But like, the granddad perfectly understands why that would be a legitimate reason for them not to be able to spend time with him like he fully understands the predicament that his kids are in mm. and he's pure he's just he's just okay with it he's like yeah i got to see them that's all that matters yeah yeah they're just kind of uh at peace with it you know pure acceptance at every at every step <laughs> yeah you know old people so sad nariko is a great character nariko nariko's a queen she's a queen you know that's the, and that's the thing at the end she's like uh all my other children left me but you stayed and mm. you're still here trying to look after me, but you're not even related to me. Yeah, you're not even a blood relative. You're not even a blood relative. He's like, go off, forget about my son. He's dead. He's not gonna. He's not coming back. Please live your life. Yeah, <laughs> live your life. Marry again. You know, be happy. I want you to be happy. And he just stares off and it's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She does. Oh, I assume she does. Yeah. Yeah, I assume. I assume that's with this uh, ship passing as well onto the next. On the yeah. next adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It's about her, the trilogy, isn't it? Nariko. Yeah, it's the Nariko trilogy. But the thing is as well, it's like, I don't, I don't think, I don't even know if they're connected because late spring, 
yeah, Late Spring came out before Tokyo Story. I think it's the middle part in the trilogy. And it's about a character. I don't know if it's the same character, but a character called Noriko. And she... Her dad wants her to marry so that she moves up in the world as she's meant to. Like, as as her role as a, of a woman in Japanese society. Like, she is meant to, like, you know, yeah. use use her position to then move up in society. But she's like, oh, but I need to take care of you. And there's, like, that generational conflict there where, like, we both have our set things to do. As a father, I meant to let you go out and live your live your life or whatever. I don't know if it is the whole, like, you have to move on or move up in the world. Mm. He's like, you need, you need to get married. <laughs> you need, you need, to, to, you need to move the fuck <laughs> off. You need to live your own life. But yeah, she's yeah. like, I need to take care of you as an elderly. And that's this whole conflict thing. Mm. But, like, her dad is played by the granddad in this yeah so i don't know if it's the same character like Noriko, because that's i don't know if like if we're meant to if you watch the trilogy it's like oh Noriko married the son of like yeah the maybe. War. i don't know maybe and then this well, is what happened years later sure we'll find out at some point you know you'll watch them eventually i'm yeah. definitely gonna watch them yeah ozu man yeah man that the granddad actor is great you know he's amazing he's very good everyone in this film is to be fair there's a, there's the scene like he's so uh he's so chill the entire time and he's just like he's like yeah my son's dead you know I wish I wish he wasn't but he is you know you, you all you all got to move on but um then there's this, there's the scene where his, his his wife is dying I think I think it's his son sits, sits him down and um uh, his like his expression just changes I think it's that that's that thing that Paul Schrader was was talking about where like he's just at this he's, he like sort of like the 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 actor himself is almost lulling you into this kind of like habit of just being with this character mm-hmm. and he's like he's always like this but then there's this one moment it's one defining moment that's really really intense and he changes his expression just changes really noticeably and it just makes it way more mm-hmm. uh impactful like it's like really meaningful even like all the kids say we're leaving tonight and he just sits around or whatever and he has a smile on his face and he goes like so you're all going and it just broke me i was like <laughs> no because like it's and he's still like try, he's still like he's still okay like he gets over it as well he, he accepts it eventually but in the moment he is like i felt i like read it as like he is fucking broken yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he'll find his peace though you know he's a zen master mm. or whatever he's a buddhist they built a different stuff yeah yeah <laughs> Make some fucking movies though, Ozu. Jesus, yeah. man. Ozu, you mad? You mad thing? Crazy. Yeah, I can understand why it's a uh, kind of a game changer for in terms of direction. Oh yeah. You know, especially man, the way it's shot. Ah, oh. and like he uses yeah. like frames within frames. Yeah, Did you yeah. notice that like they use doors. The doorways, yeah. yeah. Man, Japanese doors. They're class, man. Man, they figured doors out thousands of years before anyone the else. They have a bell, like the way that it rings every time you open the door and yeah. you close it. Like, why don't we have that? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It's such a waste of space to have a door swing into a room. Because then you can't put anything there. Mm. The Japanese, you just open, you just sideways. You just have the door go into the wall. Like, why, do I don't, why don't we have that? But even, the, but like, why don't doors open when they ring here? Like, you, can, you know that your family's home or whatever. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Well, they could do that pretty easily, though. Well, they could do a lot of things pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. You know? They're they're millennia ahead of us. Oh, man. And <laughs> even, like, there's such a, like... I suppose it's because there's so many people living in Tokyo that they need to pres- preserve as much space yeah. as possible. No more doors. <laughs> <laughs> Every cubic meter counts. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> um, but like even like it just adds the cozy aesthetic of the entire film though it's like no mm. no one slams any doors just slide the doors across <laughs> that's the thing you can't <laughs> slam a door in, in Tokyo <laughs> except for that little shit kid like throws a urinal or whatever the fuck he's using yeah those kids are cunts oh those little assholes the contrast between them and the kids in Good Morning is hilarious the kids in Good Morning purest sweetest little, little boys ever these two Gee bags, gee <laughs> <laughs> bags, yeah, yeah, scum, absolute scum, those kids. But yeah, I, I like that. There's no, um, there's no panning or moving the camera or anything, except for one mm. shot apparently. But yeah, like, apparently didn't even notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice that either. But the, it just, the camera is stationary the entire time, mm. so it's like it adds to that sense that like you're just there with them. Yeah, but like you're kind of like a voyeur, you know. You're just kind of like, I don't know. It's like a kind of third position, you know. You're like omnipresent in the situation and like you're lingering after after the action and like watching the boats and stuff like that so it's like it's a it's a i don't know it, it kind of like activates the viewer yeah you know it's not like just it's like it's showing us everything that we need to see it's because you get hyper aware because there's no no nothing stimulating in the shots or whatever so you're so focused on the characters yeah 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 uh-huh. you're more involved mm. you know you gotta work although it's, i was just thinking there that like that's kind of a, a thing in the film, though, about the, the kids being little... Like, the kids are basically little shits because they don't spend any time with their parents because their parents are constantly working. So, like, you can see, like, Ozu, like, looking at, like, modern Japanese society and be like, our kids, they're going to they're, they're gonna have a reaction to this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's predicting something that could possibly have happened. Yeah, but didn't. He didn't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they ever had a... Re- did they ever have, like, some, like, rebellious... Like the 60s or something like that. Like, or they did in the 60s, remember? Remember Mishima was against it? He was like these communist scum. Remember he was. Yeah, remember he was, remember yeah. the scene where he's in, he's in the, the hall with the yeah. students? He's like, we, we want the same thing, except I wanted to be fascist. And yeah. He just wanted to be communist. Let's, let's work together. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it, boys. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. But yeah, I think they had that, but it's just like, they didn't. Mm. I suppose it would have been those kids that would be. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know? Predicting things as well, Ozu. Yeah. Looking at the grander scheme things by chilling out and breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Just breathe, Just bro. Just breathe, bro. Yeah. What a film. What a film. Slow and sad as well, though. <laughs> Slow and sad, yeah, yeah. This, but this is the longest one by my... This film is about the same length of Days of Heaven and Taste of Cherry together. Like, those two films are three hours. Yeah. Like, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tokyo Story is two hours and 25 minutes, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't even say, like, think about it more, it's like, I wouldn't even say, it's that, like, if you stuck this on, if you had nothing on all day, you know, if you, like, lived the philosophy that this film is kind of, like... I would watch this film again. Yeah, yeah, no, if you had, like, a lazy day, and you had nothing planned, and you had a lovely evening like this, mm. I was just like, you know, nothing happening, you could stick this on TV, and you would be zen, zen mm. as fuck, it would be amazing, you'd yeah. just be relaxed. You'd be chilled. You'd sleep like yeah. a baby, you know? It's not, it, and it's something you can have on and like look at other stuff. Yeah, I was on my Dip phone watching out. this and stuff like that. They chill out. out, like look at my phone and then glance back up at it. Because yeah. like the story is so simple. The story is very very simple. You don't need to f- you don't need to read or watch it. Read every line basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and because of how slow it is, like it allows that like lack of conver- con- concentration. It almost encourages it nearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just. You know, vibe along with it. Yeah. It's just very, very relaxing. Go knock on the kettle. Go get some tea while you watch this. Yeah, you literally you can't. You don't have to pause. It's that kind of film. And unless it comes to the last, like, 30 minutes. Well, yeah, you have to watch the last <laughs> bit, yeah, yeah. You know, the mad iron and all. 
But yeah, definitely a uh, one to watch. One to watch. One to watch. I, I I I agree with the hype. I must say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it is. I think it it's is pretty, that good. It's pretty hype worthy. I don't know if it's the best film of all time, but I haven't seen all the films, so. Yeah, but yeah. like, I mean, what's on the what's on the twenty twelve list? What was on the? Um, I'm gonna see if it's better than any of those. Cause I I, feel, I think we've seen a few of those ones. I haven't seen Vertigo before. I see that in school, no? No, never saw that. Okay, Tokyo Story. It's better than Citizen Kane. It's better than uh, Apocalypse Now. Mo. Whoa. It's better than Bicycle Thieves. Bicycle Thieves. I haven't seen 2001, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's better than that. <laughs> we have to watch that, man. We should. We should watch that. Give you your recommendation if you want. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, haven't seen The Godfather in a while. I haven't seen Mirror. I haven't seen Vertigo. I haven't seen Eight and a Half. Taxi Driver, though, at number five. That's a weird one. What do you mean? Because um, it's not on the list beforehand. Raging Bull is, though. Yeah, Raging Bull seems to be more higher higher rated. It's a bit weird. Yeah, even in 1992 as well, the director's one, it's not there either. So just shot out of nowhere to number five. That's weird. Um, <laughs> Coming out of nowhere. Number five. <laughs> just like, what's his name in the film? What? What's the ca- taxi driver's name? Travis Bickle. <laughs> just Travis coming out of nowhere. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. How you getting on, Reagan? <laughs> How you getting on, lad? <laughs> we go for a quick break before our questions. Oh, yeah. If you want to ask us a question, you can get to us at paro underscore pod on Twitter, on Instagram, or you can email us at theparapod at gmail.com. That's theparapod at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, yeah, our first question is coming in from Aaron. And Aaron is asking us, can a film be too short? Uh, the answer is no, I think. I think the film cannot mm, be no, too I short. No, I think it could. Uh, well, at what point? What, what are we talking about? Because like talking about definitions of a film? Like, if a, if, a, if something doesn't explore themes enough, I feel like it's like, oh, you could have given this more. Or like, if a character or like a relationship or like something integral to the film fails because it wasn't given enough time, mm. I'm just like... Well, like, don't you have films that don't have anything like that? That, that? But that's the thing. Like, films can be films can be too long if they don't utilize their time. Like, Tokyo mm. Story is a two and a half hour long film where fuck all happens, and I wouldn't cut any of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Well, you know those films, I think it's Michael Snow does them, where they're like 24 hours long, but it's just like yeah. a, a blank screen. So it's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, is that a film? No, this is fucking... <laughs> that's just image porn. <laughs> Imi- uh, porn? Uh, it has to be stimulating to be porn, I think. But yeah, that is weird. I think... Uh, I don't know. I think... Well, like, a TikTok, that's not a film, is it, you know? Yeah, I mean, like... As in, like... Or a, a Vine. F- like... I think... I think... Um, well, take... What's the shortest film we've ever done on this? 80-minute long thing? Well, no, Unless I mean, like... Unless short films... Well, yeah, short films. Do we not include them, no? Nimic. We talked about Nimic before. Talk about The Fall. Remember that? Yeah, The Fall, yeah. Seven minutes. But that's like the perfect length for what that is. Yeah, yeah. And it does have some themes and stuff. Trump, man. Yeah. Um, Can a film be too short? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like if it's something where, like, if it's a feature length and it doesn't... You know, it's the same thing where, like, it's like, uh... Like you, you tried to do too much in too little amount of time. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, if I can't. If you're overreaching, I can't think of a film like that. 
in too little amount of time. Like what film like has like too grand of a scale for too short of a film it is? <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. I actually don't know. Yeah, I can't think of one. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't. Um, too grand a scale. That's the thing. Usually, it's the opposite. Yeah, it's like oh, you just like just fucking cut the film, you know? Yeah, cut it, cut it to bits. <laughs> like that's the thing. That's 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 where you should be leaning. You should be leaning into like a shorter film. Mm. You know, three hours is too long. You know, um, yeah, like films that could be longer. I don't know. I don't want my films to be long. Yeah, same. I'd r- rather they're nice and short. I think, I think, w- I think the world is crying out for films that are like sixty minutes long. Oh, they're coming. Seventy minutes long. Yeah, I feel like, mm, but like I also feel like they want to justify people sitting down and watching it. You know, like eighty minutes. Mm. Like like films are getting longer. Yeah. You know? Well, blockbusters and stuff, they're always like two and a half hours long. Yeah. No need for that. Yeah. Absolutely no need. There's no need for like Avengers 7 to be two and a half hours long. Three hours? Yeah, stuff like that. There's absolutely no need. Yeah, what, like if Endgame is like two, like nearly three hours long. Like it w- it was, yeah. Yeah, Christopher Nolan films are like nearly three hours long. Yeah. No need. Like, no need. Um, I don't know. Cut them down. Yeah, make them, sh- make them shorter. Make them shorter. I want them like TikToks. <laughs> yeah, <I'll laughs> I want them like vines. I want them in seven seconds. And yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you need, really, to tell a story. You know? Yeah, I tell you, some of those TikToks, greatest stories than any story Christopher Nolan's ever told. <laughs> yeah, a lot of th- yeah, that's the thing. Constraints of the medium, you know. Way more experimentation. Yeah, maybe it's better if there's like a, like a constraint, you know. Like that whole thing, the whole Zizek joke, mm. where the parents like, you need to do this. Whereas if you're like, oh, um, you can do whatever you want, it's like almost less free. Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of uh, like a burden. Yeah. It's better to have like definitions and be like, be able to like experiment within that. It's like having it's like, it's like ha- Dogma 95 and stuff like yeah, that. It's like having a, but like having a routine. Mm, like within yeah. your routine, you will find freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discipline. Yeah. Being disciplined about it. Yeah, so that's what you need, discipline. We need discipline. <laughs> All this two and a half hour long fucking bullshit. Yeah, too long, too long. Too long. Masturbatory, mm-hmm. wankery. That, that was one of the things about, like, uh, when I go see Into the Heights, that new musical. When I went to go see that in cinema, I was like, this is way too long. How long I was, was like, it? this is two and a half hours long. This is, cut this down. Made two this, and a half. Made this two hours. There's absolutely no need. You know? Oh, no, I'm genuine to those bits, but I was like, I'll oh, just cut this song. This is shite. Or <laughs> 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 I was just like, well, you just get on with it. Like, it feel, the film feels like it's ending for the last 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a few films like that, but I can't remember what they are. Interlight is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, there's also room for stuff like Deer Hunter, you know, epics. Yeah, well, yeah. And, like, even, like, Tokyo Story, where like, it's lent as part of its message, it's kind appeal. of. What's What's the best like short film like under 90 minutes Texas Chainsaw that is a show that's a that's a huge <laughs> show you pretty much ended my question I was about to look stuff up I was about to look stuff up but it's too late now like Texas Chainsaw even like under 90 minutes I'm pretty sure Gomo is even like is like 97 or something yeah uh, Toy Story <laughs> yeah Toy Story yeah is under 90 minutes Rashomon let's watch that I've heard of that I've heard that's good Kurosawa yeah yeah, I saw a fi- I saw a video uh, comparing Rashomon and Tokyo Story. Oh, really? In terms of like a uh, kind of like a duality of Japanese cinema That's and like Japanese society in general. Like you have like the Zen kind of thing, mm. but then Rashomon is like a kind of a universalist approach. 
it's more like a it's not even a it's not like a western but people criticize it as a western because it's not sort of it doesn't fit within the box of usual japanese yeah. genre fare that sounds interesting so you have to watch that we should we haven't talked about any curse i don't think i've seen a curse out of them yeah someone was talking about it at work a lot as with as mm. a Lab beside me at work was talking about Kurosawa. I was like, nah, I feel like such a pleb. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should definitely watch them. I'd be so down for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still trying to see. Perfect Blue is 80 minutes. Is it? Yeah. That's very good. Um. Yeah, a lot of films. Like, a lot of films, I'm just like, yeah, that's a good film. But, like, I don't know. SpongeBob SquarePants movie, the Final Answer. <laughs> it's 87 minutes. Is it? Yeah. That's a great film. That is a great film. That is a really good film. Oh, wait. How long is Gummo? Gummo sneaking it in at 89 minutes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Harmony. He did that on purpose. Yeah, he did. He did that on purpose. Because uh, it's like, ah, oh, it's under 90 minutes. Give it a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a king. Pure sneak it in there. Yeah, Gummo. Yeah. Yeah. But it just takes his chance out. That's like. I mean, we talk about that endlessly, but like, Jesus, just 80 minutes, 80 minutes, 82 minutes or something. If we ever made a film, it'd be 80 minutes or under. 79 minutes. That's 79 minutes. That's, the, goal. that's how, the new benchmark. I actually need to look up how long Texas Chance. I want to know exactly how long it is. It's 80, isn't it? I remember we were saying that. I'm pretty sure it is 80. It's 83. 83. 83, 83 minutes. minutes. And like... I think we talked about those 83 minutes for an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nearly longer than Like, we film, just talked yeah. about Toko's story for, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you know a film's really good. Yeah, when you spend more time talking about it after. He's <laughs> <laughs> talked about it for fucking four hours. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah, Text Chainsaw has gotten days, days of content. Oh, days. Comes up all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how much, what was it, 47, ep- 47 episodes now by two? Was it four days? Yeah, was talking, <laughs> and it's come up a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Within yeah. those four days, we've talked about it a few times. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, that's mental. Four. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, four days. This is what they use in Guantanamo Bay. This is one of those en- enhanced ter- interrogation techniques. Just this they, on repeat. They just play the Farrowfoot all the way through. <laughs> it's like, I was like, shut up! I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't like Gomo. <laughs> Gummo's fucking awful. <laughs> 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 Nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, what's our next question? Our next question is coming in from Paddy, and he's asking: Is Smithix the perfect summer pint? Um, one of them, yeah. I think it's a really interesting kind of uh, question in terms mm. of like you have the sort of duality of the seasons where you have Guinness is like a perfect Christmas pint. Perfect. Creamy. Perfect. You know, it's black. As soon as it it's gets like, dark, yeah, that's what yeah. you want. It's like, it's just, I don't know what it is, but it's just made for like mm. cold. Like, it, apparently it's really big in Africa. Yeah, but, uh, wild, like, I, remember, yeah. I drink, I like, I drink uh, Guinness. I forgot what we talking about Guinness. <laughs> uh, I drink Guinness like during the summer, but it's Different. nothing compared to like, mm. remember getting the, co- remember getting the takeaway points coming up Man, here? They're so good. So good. Don't get them anymore though. They're shy. It's too hot. They're shy. Well, they're shy as well. They're shy fair. as well. Uh, out of the tap. But, um, yeah, but apparently the one in Africa they have is different. It's like a different kind of uh, recipe. Mm. Um, in some kind of way. But, um, yeah, because you have the, you have the, you know, at one end of the pole you have the Guinness perfect Christmas pint. You know, amazing 
you know, everyone sat down, presents are opened. You have a little glass of whiskey or whatever. A you have a bit of Bailey's maybe as well. A little bit of Bailey's, yeah, oh man, yeah, amazing, you know. But um, and then the opposite end, it's like it just doesn't work in the height of summer. No. There's something about it. I'm on the Heineken these days. You're on the Heino. On the Heinos. On the Heinos. On the Heinos. Stick a vitamin H there, bro. Um, but yeah, I'm on the Heinos. Because it's just, it's like, it's like fizzy. Mm. It's fizzy. I want the fizz. It's amazing when it's cold. Yeah. Guinness is great when it's cold as well, but it's like, it's a different kind of thing. It's like, it's like you're full. Yeah, you know? it's, it's too filling. It's too filling. Uh, Smithix, see Smithix, that's the balance, you know. It's yeah, it is. creamy, in a way. If you, well, it's like what it's one you it, want. I think it's smooth. Mm. It's smooth, smooth at least, you know. Um, but it has that bite. Has that little bite to it, you know. A little yeah. bit of fizz in there as well, you know. It's only three point eight percent. So you drink can drink. You day. can drink that all day. Yeah. You can li- Smithic shandy all day long. You can drink mm-hmm. that for twelve hours, and it's like I'm a fan of Smithic as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be a big, big blonde. Yeah, or Smithic's blonde. Yeah, yeah, that's or nice. Smithic's pale ale. The pale ale as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't the be a red big, as well. The red, yeah, the red ale, yeah. But that's the classic. That, what is the red ale? It's just a stout, isn't it, though? No, it's just a red ale. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, sure, it's all ale. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't be a big Smithic drinker, but it's definitely, uh, it's like the perfect kind of uh, but synthesis. Also, but it also works at Christmas time as, as well, though. That's the thing. You can drink yeah. that all year round. I know a lot of old lads drink uh, Guinness during, uh, during like the winter months, mm-hmm. and then they move on to Blomers during the summer. Yeah, Bulmers as well, but it's the cider. I hate Bulmers. I don't like. I can't, I don't like cider. I like Orchard Thieves. I like. No, nah, I don't even like Orchard Thieves. Man. It's very, very sweet. It's but too sweet, and I don't like. I wouldn't go near cider. Although I haven't had a Bulmers in a very long time. It's rotten, man. It tastes like sucks. It tastes horrible, yeah, man. I used to drink it when I was a ki- when I was younger a lot. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, we all did. But I don't Back know. For me, I, I like me spirits. Yeah, yeah. Spi- I, I like le- a, less fattening, man. I love a rum and coke. Yeah, in the summer. Yeah, I used to be on the Praskies a lot at the start of lockdown. Praskies also not a bad show. Praskies great, but <laughs> calories. Yeah, Talking man. about calories here, you know, stick stick to your Captain Morgan, stick to your vodka, stick to your whatever, you know. Cocktails, man. It's cocktail season, you cocktail know. Cocktail season. Whiskey sour. What's what's happening? Get those Cuba Libres into me now. The yeah. rum and coke. Rum yeah, and coke yeah. is a gorgeous combo. Ah, rum and coke. Yeah, yeah. That's what you want, you know. Two orders at a time. Yeah. Yeah, shots of Jaeger in between. And you're laughing. Then you got yourself an after sesh cooking. It's in the oven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you stick it in the oven. It's, it's, it's there for the roast. It's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but then what about like like spring? Do you ever spring? drink for spring? I don't And know. what about autumn? Autumn, I just feel like, once it gets to autumn, it's like, yeah, this is Guinness better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, autumn, I think I'd refer to Guinness. Because then it's just kind of rainy and stuff again, mm. isn't it? You know? It was only really two seasons in Ireland anyway. <laughs> you know? Like, well, there's like three, but this, but spring lasts for two weeks and then it's into, it's into heat. Yeah, yeah. I'd say it'd be different in like America and stuff where they have like, they have like mad snow during the winter and then like crazy heat during the summer. Mm. I'd say they have more like sort of violent kind of uh, changes of, of drink, you know? Mm. Well, I assume they would. <laughs> Yeah, they probably do. Like they the just don't drink for the two months in between. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> their stomachs need to readjust. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit. No, yeah. Um. Yeah. And then our last question. It's coming in from Carl. Shout out to Carl. Shout out. And Carl is asking us, "What is or what are our favorite films that we've talked about?" Now, are we taking this in terms of 
like a conversation because I feel like that'd be a very narcissist thing to do. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like a conversation on threads is really groundbreaking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, just, just I don't know, uh, maybe change our perspective on the film or something mm. like that. You know? Yeah, because like, yeah, yeah, because yeah, because otherwise just be recommending the f- or just like, listen to the films that we recommend or mm. something like that. You know? Yeah. Like, um, I'd definitely go with. Uh, oh, are we doing top five? Yeah, we do. F- we'll do, uh, do however many you want. Yeah, five. Let's yeah. say five. Yeah, we got the list here. Yeah, Just what a list! My God, what a what a uh, what a, what a motley crew. Yeah, I know. We there's no consistency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go Mishima, um, if, um, Threads, Peeping Tom, and Climax. Just to round it out, I try to. Yeah, uh, it's pretty pretty even. In terms of distribution, but I think that's just kind of coincidental. I, I want to see altered states just because like that was funny. That was just like world shattering. Like I couldn't believe that film was just not what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like that was. Yeah. That, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so fucking funny. Um, I mean, Pandas Van. Because I know I hadn't seen one. that film that time. That was mental. That film was so fucking good. I saw show as well. Very good film. Mm-hmm. Um, Halloween three for similar reasons. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was such a fucking weird movie. That's a great film though. That is great. Well, low it's, key, it's good. It's good. Like, low yeah. key, great, great, but equally shit. Yeah, it's also shit in, in many ways. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's like uh, even handed. It's like the it's like the second best or the third best Halloween. Yeah, you know that I've seen. Yeah. I've seen three of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then for another one, nowhere. I like that film as well. Nowhere. Mm. Yeah. Interesting choice. Nowhere, because I didn't. When I was watching, I was like, "This is pretty good." But then when you when you're describing like, the whole thing of like looking towards the party, is like this film is class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember the first five minutes. I was like, "This is shit." Yeah. But then it like proper like picked up a pace. It, it 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 like I don't know came into its its own you know same thing with Tokyo Story in a way I don't know I'd have to say Tokyo Story for this but I don't want to because we recommended this week I yeah, heard we, all we of just, our thoughts so recently forty minutes <laughs> but Jesus that film is really good uh-huh. and I can see I can I can see the hype believe the hype I believe oh we we'll leave it at that we'll leave it there so what's our what's our recommended film for episode forty nine. Our episode... Oh, fuck me. <laughs> our, rec- <laughs> <laughs> our recommendation for episode 49 is The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. One of the longest titles I've ever heard of, anyway, in a mainstream film. 2007, mm. I think, or 2006. Um, Andrew Dominic, I think, is the director. Um, starring Brad Pitt. Casey Affleck as Robert Ford, <laughs> uh, based on the real Jesse James story, and it's all like it's all about mythology basically mm. and self mythologization and like sort of the victims of mythology. Very cool film, amazingly well shot. I've heard Roger Deakins did all this stuff. He's yeah, he does Roger all, Deakins. He does all all the you know oh, all the good shit, crazy good. You know he does all the fucking Dennis Villeneuve stuff now. Yeah, but this is like at the I don't know. When he was like sort of becoming really well known, mm. like sort of ascending into the the elites, uh, very good film. 
bombed on its release. <laughs> Absolutely bombed. It's two and a half hours. They wanted they, they wanted to make it <laughs> ab- bombed on release. Absolutely bombed. But uh, it's got like a cult following now. Yeah. It's um I think it's uh, it's partly written. It it's at least scored by Nick Cave. The, the, oh this, shit. This is one of the films where like uh we I think we, we had that question before like what's the best score? This this is probably m- my favorite score from a film. Mm. Uh, I'll keep my ear up for this one. This yeah, it's, it's a very good score. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 a good film all around. So Sweet, watch it. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. That's gonna be our our penultimate episode before we stop at episode fifty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the second last barrel pod. Tune in. Tune in. Tune out. We'll see you all next week. Bye bye.